good, and yeah, thank God for all the gifts in the body. That was a blessing this morning. And I'm going to say this about piano. The other day when I came up, I, I read a story about a guy who plays the keyboards, and he had never played before, no lessons, no anything. And he just got on it, and the Lord blessed him to be able to play phenomenally. I just said that. It didn't happen to me, but anyway, <laughs> let's lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your presence today. We thank you for the word in advance that we're about to receive. We pray that it will enter our heart and transform our lives. Bless the pastor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It didn't happen to me either, Claude. So, <laughs> so I got a call this week from the mayor of University City. Uh, and she actually, not a call, an email. Well, no, a call and an email. Uh, and she reached out and she said, hey, there's a member in our city, there's a, a member of our community who's in need, a woman who has gone through four surgeries, her medical bills have mounted and, you know, overtaken her, um, her house went into foreclosure, uh, she's trying to work something out, it's a real struggle, and, um, and what she needs is, that they're going to literally evict her, they're going to throw her out of the house unless... Somebody would come and mow her lawn and make her house presentable in the neighborhood. And um, she said, is there anybody in your congregation that would be willing to do that? So I said, I'm sure there is. And so I sent out an email to just a handful of, uh, of guys in the congregation um, and, said, and you know, kind of explained the situation to them. Within, I want to say within 10 minutes... Uh, I got a text, and I don't know if Lee Furness, are you here, Lee, right now? I don't see Lee and his family here yet. But So Lee Furness hit me back with a text message and said, I want to take that. I'll handle it. I'll do a great job. Let me get on it. So I called the mayor back immediately and said, we've got a guy who's going to take it. He might be doing it right now, actually. He might be worshiping behind the lawnmower. Um, but I just, I just wanted to tell you that to say, what we're doing as a community and as a congregation, the focus of what we're doing, it's no longer like, gosh, I hope we become the kind of church that, you know, really impacts me. No, we're doing it. You know, when the mayor of the city calls you, you know, because of the, because of the love and the willingness and the diligence of the members of the congregation... Man, it's just, it's a matter of weeks until the, the governor will be calling and then the Congress. No, okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> but it really, it really struck me today that like that, that means something, you know, it, it means something. And, and she's done that before. Uh, this happened a, a, a month or two ago and some people went out and helped somebody else. So, you know, it's, it's, we're, God is using us. God is, 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 is actually changing us. He's transforming us. He's empowering us to go out and do what he's called us to do. Praise God. Um, so today, which ties into today's sermon, we're talking about who are you? We're keeping this series in, in Ephesians. And today we're talking about bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Um, we're not talking about physical bodybuilding, obviously. But um, we're talking about bodybuilding. The, the premise of Paul's passage that we're going to read today the premise of his passage is that God has equipped each and every one of you by his grace. He's empowered you to do works of service, to bring transformation and empowerment to the lives of people in the community through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the premise of today's sermon. And one, of, one thing that he focuses on, and we're going to talk about it, is finding out what your particular gift is. 
That's what actually our 301 is about. It's called discovery. What are the gifts that God has blessed you with? Each and every one of you has gifts as followers of Jesus that are directed at bringing good works into the world, building up the body, and and transforming lives and changing the world. Um, It's important to figure out what those gifts are. Uh, When I was in college, and I, I don't think I've told this story before, but when I was in college, I needed a job. I was, I had, my family had moved down to Arizona. I was living on campus at Arizona, and I was trying to find a job. I didn't have a car. I had a bicycle, and I lived, you know, not too far from the campus. And one day, I was walking through the rec center at the university, and there was a sign that said, aerobics instructor needed, $11 an hour. And I saw the sign, and I, I thought, you know what? I mean, that's a job, $11 an hour. That's pretty good. Uh, it's on campus, so I could ride my bike. It's, you know, how hard can that be? Aerobics instructor. I've never done aerobics, but, I mean, it seems easy. You bounce around, you know, it's like you work up a sweat, you know, you dance. It's like, fine. So it said, auditions will be held next Wednesday, I think. So the following Wednesday, I show up at the aerobics instructor, (laughs) at the aerobics instructor auditions. Now, I had on, like, baggy purple soccer shorts and high-top Reeboks and, like, a baggy T-shirt, which was, you know, my normal, my normal uniform at that time. Everybody else had on the spandex and the fancy shoes and, like, the real tight things, and they had, you know... And I kind of started looking around going, man, these guys look serious. Oh, let me back up. Right before the audition... I went out to my mom's house. I think I had my sister drive me out to my mom's house because my mom had an aerobics video called, you know, Sweating to the Oldies or something like that. And so I said, I'm going to watch this video, then I'll be prepared to, you know, audition. So I put in the video and I stood there and I watched it and I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, it's like they're basically moving around to the beat. Okay, got that, you know. And then I remember at one point they said grapevine. And that was a move where they kind of came around like this. And then they said, double grapevine. And that was where you came this way, and then you came this way, right? So I thought, you know what? That's easy. I mean, it's really easy. So I show up at the auditions. Everybody's tricked out in their fancy gear. Uh, and the instructor said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn on the music, and we're going to basically have a class. And when I call your name, you will come up and lead the class, you know, and everybody else. So I thought, okay. So, man, the music starts, right? And I'm standing in the class, and they call out the first person, you know, Janet. And so Janet goes up there, and she starts calling out moves, like, you know, the dynamite, the candy cane, whatever they're called, you know. And everybody knows the moves, and they're all doing them. And I'm like the guy in those videos, the, the one clown that's in the back, kind of like, what? And, and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm like, I'm starting to get hot. Like, this is, this is going to be bad. And they, and the, you know, everybody's just killing it. And then they say, you know, the music's beating. It's like, boom, boom. They go, okay, Brent. And I'm like, okay. And I go, <laughs> I go running up there. And I'm like bouncing like this to the beat. And I'm like, okay, let's do some jumping jacks. And we start doing some jumping jacks. We did like 150 jumping jacks. And everybody's going, I can see their faces like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, man, I got to do something. I go, double grapevine. And we all bust out. I mean, I didn't even know what it was. They're all doing the double grave. And anyway, they pulled me off the stage. You know, let me just say this. It wasn't my gift, okay? It wasn't my gift. I say all that to say God does have 
a gift that he's given to you, if you're trying to do something that's not your gift, it's not going to work. The, uh, the aerobics instructor, the one that did that, you know, that was in charge, um, for the next year, I kind of blocked that whole thing out of my mind for a while. Just blocked it out. It didn't happen. <laughs> didn't happen. But for the following year, every once in a while, I would see this, I would see a person, a woman, on campus, and she'd be like, hi, Brent. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I wonder who that is. And I was like, I don't and at the coffee shop, hi, Brent. <laughs> I was like, and finally one day I stopped her. I go, you know, you, you always stop and say hi to me. And did we have a class together? Or did we? She's like, no, I was the aerobics instructor when you tried out for audition to be. I was like, oh, okay, thanks, thanks. Never speak to me again. Thank you. God is calling each one of us to do something. We're all ministers. That's the premise of what Paul is saying. So let's jump out of aerobics. Let's jump into Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16. I'm going to read a big chunk of it, okay? But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. This is why he gave you prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Paul is saying what God is doing, he's giving you grace He gives us grace for a few different reasons. If you go through the scriptures, there are different reasons for grace. There are actually different kinds of grace. Um, One is, as we talked about in Ephesians 1, an electing grace. This is the grace that before the foundation of the world, the scripture said, he chose us. He reached out and found us in our sin and and chose us to be with him. That's, That's his electing grace. His forgiving grace. His forgiving grace is the grace that says, when you come to him and you say, Father, I'm sorry, I want to give my life to you. The forgiving grace is what he pours out through the death of his son. Through, through Jesus, he forgives our sins. That's the forgiving grace. The empowering grace, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. That's where he gives us the power to go out and do what he's called us to do, right? And then the gifting grace, this is what he's talking about in Ephesians 4. By his grace, it says, he gave us apostles and and pastors and teachers and whatever, so that he could gift us. He could divinely give us strength to show us what he wants us to do in life. Um, And today, he's saying that every single one of us is a minister. Every single one of us is called to minister. We're not just recipients. We receive to become empowered. We receive to become transformed so that we can go out and do the same thing. So I'm going to talk through that scripture, three aims of ministry. Three aims of ministry. Number one is strength, the building up of the body. 
Number two is unity. Seek the unity of faith. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. And number three is maturity. Maturity, and that's growing into Christ-likeness. So we're going to jump right into, first of all, strength. Let's go back to strength, Alex. Um, strength, build up the body. Uh, in, the, in verse four or chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, it says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He is giving us grace. He's giving us strength to build up the body. Um, And I'm going to keep using this sort of physical fitness analogy because I think it just helps us to understand it. Um, We we, uh, were members of the YMCA. And uh, and every once in a while I go there and try to get some exercise. And one of the exercises that I've been reading about and it's supposed to be really good for you are, uh, well, there's deadlifts and then there's bench press and there's pull-ups and then there's squats. And squats is when you take the bar and you put it on your back and you bend down like this and you lift it up. So you just have a bunch of heavy weight on your back and you go down, you lift it up, go down, lift it up. The other day, I was in there at the Y doing my squats and uh, I finished the squats and a young woman came up and she's like, are you all done on the squats? And I'm like, yep, I'm all done. She's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the bar. And I said, okay, so I'm going to take these 45 pound plates off because obviously, you know, you know, and, and I'm pretty strong, and, you know, so I thought, well, uh, she's like, no, you can leave those on. I go, oh, okay. I'm thinking, huh, she must want to take them off herself. Um, so I kind of walk over to the side of the gym, and I'm kind of, like, glancing back just to see, you know, thinking if she drops it, I'll go help her, right? <clears throat> she reaches down and grabs a 35-pound plate, sticks it on top of my 45-pound plate, takes another 35-pound, sticks it on the other side, a 10 and a 10. Okay, so now she's 80 pounds heavier than I was lifting, right? Then she gets under the bar and just knocks out a set of 12 like nobody's business. Later, I did see a tattoo that said USMC, United States Marine Corps, on her deltoid. So I thought, okay, that's, that's cool. But, but God is calling us as a body to build up the body. That's part of what we're doing. That's one of the reasons that we come together is to build one another up to good works. The scripture says that we are to come together, not forsaking, you know, not forsaking the, the assembling of ourselves so that we can build up the body to good works. Um, how do we do that? I'm going to tell you just real quickly uh, three ways that we can do that, three ways we can build up the body. Number one, find your place to serve. Your place to serve. And the reason that we're focusing on yours is it's not just find a place to serve. It's find your place to serve. Now, that may start off by finding just any place to serve. Some people will come to me and say, hey, is there anything that, you, that you know, needs to be happening around here? And I love it when people say that. And I go, yeah, there is actually. And, you know, they'll run off. There, we had a crew yesterday, Saturday, uh, that came in here from 8 a.m. till noon. And if you've ever been backstage at the Tivoli, you may think it's glamorous. If you've never been back there, you may think, wow, I bet it's really really glamorous and cool back there. Let me tell you something. There's a hundred years worth of twisted hunks of heavy, nasty metal and old corroded popcorn machines and weird sound equipment and like an old player piano and like a Blair Witch thing and like all kinds of crazy stuff back there, okay? Um, But we had a, a crew come in yesterday People who just said, look, I want to jump in. I want to build up the body by serving in ways that no one will ever see. 
And uh, we had Chris Moritz and Sean Antkoviak and Sean Sample, Michelle Sarek, Will and Amanda Steelman, my wife. Anybody else? I got Antkoviak. Anyway, this awesome crew and went back there and totally transformed the backstage, right? Because not just because they were bored on a Saturday morning. Everybody's got something to do, right? But because they want to build up the body. They know that their call is to build up the body. And everything that we do to further the gospel, whether it is moving hunks of metal downstairs at the Tivoli or standing up here teaching or leading in worship, whatever it is, our focus, our goal is to build up the body through God's grace so that we can, we can serve the mission that he's called us to do. So number one, find your place. Romans 12, 6, 8 says we have different gifts according to the, the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Uh, if it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What he's saying is, if you, whatever it is that you're called to do, do it. Go do it, right? The second thing is, once you're doing it and doing it well, find someone to train. Find someone to mentor. Find somebody else to teach them what you're doing. I like to say, I like to think of working yourself out of a job, right? Because if you work yourself out of a job, that means there's a higher job for you. There's something, the next step for you. Once you've got people who can do what you can do, that's good. That's a good thing. Because that means you're going to get to do something of more respons- uh, responsibility, of greater prominence. So train somebody. Um, throughout the scripture, we see this over and over. Moses trained Joshua. David trained Samuel. Elijah trained Elisha. Paul trained Timothy. Jesus trained the 12. The 12 changed the world, right? A big part of what we do is not just serving, but getting other people involved and showing them what we do. How do, how do I do this, you know? And this is a great, and throughout the scripture, it talks about, you know, women in the church, train the younger women, right? Men in the church, reach out to the younger men. And if you're a younger or less mature Christian in the faith, newer to the faith, find a mentor. Seek out people who you can ask questions. You know, I, I've got, a, I've got a, a handful of guys that I will call on a regular basis. How do I handle this? What should I do about this? What do, what do you think about this? You know, I've got something going on in my life. I need your help. How do I adjust this? How do I fix this? You know, so don't hesitate to do that. Um, okay, so that's number one. Number two, what he talks about in the scripture is unity, seeking unity in the faith. Seek unity of faith and unity of knowledge through the Son of God. So at Barnes & Noble this week, I was there, and I was reading, and I was studying, and there were two, uh, two there was a, a couple women sitting near me, and they were talking. And I have earplugs, and I have all kinds of stuff, because I like to, when I'm studying, I like to be really quiet, but for some reason I had them out. And so I was listening to their conversation, and it went something like this. One of the women said, What's true for you is true for you. And what's true for me is true for me. And some of these, there's some, there's some philosophy majors in, in here today. So I know you were cringing the same way I was cringing. Uh, what I wanted to do is say, that's not true. Um, something is either true or it's not true. It's not both true and untrue. That's not possible. Just, and I'm not, I'll take the Christianity component out. Let's just talk logic for a second, right? Something is either true or it's not true. Um, 
the, the other woman, her response was, that's so true, she said. <laughs> but I did not interfere. I wanted to say, look, if you believe that that coffee in your cup is marmalade, that doesn't make it marmalade. It's coffee, right? Uh, if you believe that you are a striped unicorn with a rainbow mane, that doesn't make you a striped unicorn with a rainbow mane, right? That's not who you are, right? And when it comes to what Paul is talking about here, Jesus is either who he actually claimed to be. He's either the son of God who came, as, the script, as that song said, who came to earth to save us from our sin, or he's not. He's not both one and the other. He's not not the Messiah and also the Messiah, right? And Paul is saying, I want you to come to unity of the faith. I want you to understand who Jesus really is. That's a part of the maturation process. That's a part of really coming to grips with who you are in Christ. Who is Christ? Um, in, in that portion of the scripture, he says, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Here's what was already happening when Paul wrote this. Already what was happening is Jesus was make, had, had made a huge impact. A huge impact. And so already within the first century, people were co-opting his identity to meet their needs. They were transforming who he actually was into what they wanted him to be. Um, you know, and, and we see this today. Uh, people, nobody says, you know what, Jesus, you know what, I just don't like the guy. He's just a total jerk, and I don't like him. Nobody does that. What people do is say, you know, Jesus was really a fill-in-the-blank, whatever it is that you want him to be. People will try to take Jesus and, and fit him into their box, right? Paul's saying, I want you to know who he really is, who he really was. Um, C.S. Lewis kind of designed this apologetic kind of um, tool, and I, I don't know if he was the original, but he kind of espoused it, and some other guys have as well. And he basically said, in a, in a you know, very simple way, he said Jesus was either a lunatic, somebody who walked around thinking that he was divine, he was a liar, somebody who knew he wasn't divine and still hoodwinked everybody into believing that he was, or in fact he was who he claimed to be, Lord. So he calls this the Lord, lunatic, or liar. Uh, he's one of those three things. Um, listen to some of the, the things that Jesus said about himself. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. That's huge. That's saying, I'm, I existed before Abraham. I mean, you're either crazy if you say that, or you're a liar, or you were around before Abraham. One of the three. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. He makes these very emphatic statements about himself. If somebody came to you today and said that, you would be calling the local, you know, asylum. And saying, look, this guy, you know, he believes that he was, existed before Abraham. Um, so Jesus makes these emphatic claims about himself. And Paul is saying, I want us to really come to unity and understanding who Jesus is. Who he really was. Um, 
one of the very first creeds, if you will. A creed is sort of like a, uh, sort of like a, a mnemonic device. It's like a little, it's like a little summary of a series of beliefs. One of the very first creeds in the in 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 the Christian faith is First uh, Corinthians fifteen three through seven, and Paul gives this creed. He says, "For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received." Here's what, I, here's what I know about Jesus, he says. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. This is a very early creed. This, what he wrote there was not just him writing the letter. This is something that had been recited Paul wrote that about 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. But, the, but, but what he wrote had been already written and, and had been spoken for at least within two or three years of Jesus' death. Because the early Christians were saying, we want to preserve who he, really, uh, who he really was. He came, he died for us, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and we're going to go meet with him someday. That's who he is. And every Christmas or Easter... There are these, like, uh, specials on, you know, whatever, on TV that claim to have some really brand new, wildly super cool insight about Jesus, right? We found the, you know, we found the Gnostic Gospels, right? No, we found the Gnostic Gospels in the 70s. The Gnostic Gospels were written 300 years after Jesus, and they're, you know, they're interesting, but there's nothing special there, right? we We know that the guys who were with Jesus... When Paul wrote this, they were there. And they said, this is who he was. This is who he is. This is what we believe. So even though it's, it's, it's um, you know, we hear all kinds of ideas about Jesus, what Paul is saying, let's come together in unity about who he really was. He, we're either going to worship the real Jesus or we're, or we're worshiping a figment of our imagination. Um, and let me just say, by the way, before we move on to the next point, that doesn't mean, it, it, it doesn't, unity doesn't mean uniformity, Right? It doesn't mean that everybody looks the same, talks the same, acts the same, or anything like that. It just means that we, rather than my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, we actually strive for one truth. What is the truth? And we seek that together. Amen? Amen. Okay. And then the third big chunk that Paul is dealing with in this passage is maturity. Where he's, he's urging us to grow into Christ-likeness. Um, when I lived in Arizona, at, during law school, I was actually allowed to become a prosecutor for a little while. And I was a prosecutor for the city of Mesa, Mesa, Arizona. And at one point, so I was, cro- uh, uh, I was prosecuting relatively minor issues. I was prosecuting, you know, like just misdemeanors mainly. But there was a, an assault case that came across my desk and I was the guy to prosecute it. And it wasn't actually assault on a person. It was assault. It was, it was, it was destruction of property is what the case really was. And in this case, uh, there was a young man and a young woman. And they were boyfriend and girlfriend. And they lived together. Actually, they lived in her apartment. Um, and I guess they got into an argument. And the young man decided that rather than talk it out, he would just start breaking things in this young woman's apartment. And it was established that this is her apartment. She was paying rent. He was kind of just living there. So they get in this big fight. 
She locks herself in the bathroom. He goes tearing through the house, breaking pictures, punching holes in the wall, breaking the TV, just destroying stuff, right? Just totally tearing it up. And that's illegal, by the way. So um, I would discourage you from doing that. Um, If it's your own property, go for it. Um, But if it's somebody else's, you can't do that. So, So I'm prosecuting this young guy. And I have her up on the stand. She testifies to what happened. I put him up on the stand, cross-examine him, so forth. And, you know, the jury convicts him. Destruction of property. And I can't remember what, I think it was, we didn't, I don't think he got jail time. He got fined and he got some probation and that kind of thing. After the case was over, after the jury, you know, rendered its verdict and the sentence was read, uh, the young man sat down in the courtroom, kind of slumped over, put his head down like this, and he kind of, and he started crying. And I was standing there and I thought, you know what? This is a good moment for this kid, right? He was 19 years old. Uh, he had made a big mistake. He had acted like a total jerk. And now he's sorry and he's repentant. And this is a, this is a moment where he can step up and become a mature guy. He's, this, is a, this is a step in his, in his road to manhood, right? So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go encourage him. I know I just prosecuted him, but I also have a heart. And like, I want to I go encourage this guy. So I go over and I sat down beside him. I put my arm around him. And I said, man, listen. You messed up, right? But this doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all. You know, you can, this can be a, a moment for you to change. This can be a moment for you to really transform and step up and be the man, you know, that you're supposed to be, right? And, you know, kind of giving him a lot of that, that kind of talk, right? Finally, he raised his head, and, you know, tears are coming down his face. And he goes, it's just not fair. And I go, what's not fair? And he goes, she broke my video game first. And I went, dude, um, uh, okay, all right, man. Good luck to you. And uh, he wasn't ready, right? The maturity wasn't there. I thought there was a moment of maturity. No, it was like not happening, right? Christ is calling us to step up. He's calling us to a higher calling. He's calling us to step forward into maturity, into Christ-likeness into actually being like Christ. Um, there's a great little story about a father and a son. And the, father, and the son wanted to drive the, the car, the family car. And the dad said, no problem, you can drive the family car, but there's three things. Because the son had been having some trouble at school. He'd been a little rebellious, and he'd been acting kind of, you know, squirrely. So dad said, all right, that's pr- no problem. You can, you can drive the car, but I want you to do three things for me, all right? I want you to bring your grades up. All right? You know, get up out of the D's into the C's and B's, right? Number two, I want you to read your Bible every day. And number three, he said, son, you got you to gotta cut your hair. Because the son, he had, he had a real serious, bushy, kind of crazy wild hair. And the dad said he wanted him to cut his hair. So the son says, all right. Pretty soon, the son brings his, his grades up. And he comes to his dad. He said, dad, I, I brought my grades up. Dad says, great. That's, that's, one, out of, that's one out of three. That's one, you're one third of the way there. Son says, good. About a couple weeks later, the son says, Dad, I've been reading the Bible every day. Dad says, great. You're two-thirds of the way there, son. That's great. And, this, and the son says, you know, but, but the thing is, Dad, you know, I really don't want to cut my hair. Like, I really like what I'm, what I'm rocking right now with my do. And uh, I don't want to cut it. And he says, and you know what? I don't think I should have to cut it to drive the car. And the dad says, okay, well, why not, son? And the son had been reading, you know, or, or talking or whoever. And he said, well, because, you know... Um, you know, Jesus had long hair. And the dad, who was a pretty sharp guy, said, 
Yeah, and Jesus walked everywhere he went. So, um, <laughs> Ephesians 4, 15, 16 says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, uh, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by supporting every ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Christ is saying, let's mature together. Let's all come together. We come together in the unity of the faith. We come together to build one another up. And then we come together to individually mature and strengthen as Christians. Because by doing that, when each ligament is strong, the whole body is strong. The head is already mature. The head is Christ. This is this image that Paul keeps going with. Here's this head. The head is Christ. The body is us. Not just us in this building, but all believers. We are the body of Christ, who is the head. And so he says, each one of us, let's work to strengthen and build ourselves up so that the whole body can be joined together strongly and powerfully to reach out and transform the world, change the world. Um, How do we do that? I'm going to give you just three real quick points here. Number one is doing what you're doing now. Come to church, engage church life. Because even though a lot of times we might think, you know what, I've got my own spirituality. I can do my own thing in a forest somewhere, in a treehouse, you know, and, and do it like that. You know, really, over and over, the scripture says you need one another, right? Because you need and I need people to challenge me and people to challenge you about sin in our lives. We need that. And that's part of what the life group is about. If you have community you know, you get to know somebody and you really open up to somebody and then somebody can say, hey man, you know, I've noticed this about you. You know, you, you're not, you don't seem to be, or, or, you know, when you really become more mature, you reach out to somebody else and say, hey, I've got, I've got an issue that I'm going through and I need your input. You know, accountability. You know, I've got two or three guys that we know each other's business, right? And that way we kind of keep encouraging one another. So, Number one is exercise uh, spiritual dis- discipline. Come to church. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on, it says. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if this is your church home, dive in here. If you have another church home, dive in there. Wh- wherever it is, you, you need to meet together. All of us do. To build each other up and strengthen one another. Number two... Pray daily. First Thessalonians says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Pray all the time. Um, and we can talk about, if, if you need help with that, I mean, that's, that's an area of strength for some people. It's an area of weakness for other people. But it is a habit that you can learn and develop. Uh, and when you find a place and you find a time consistently throughout the day and you spend a little bit of time and a little bit in that place and pray, right? And then you'll find that you're kind of, you'll start to flow in it. You may be on your way home and you'll say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. God, help me with this meeting I'm getting ready to go to. I need some strength. I need your help on this, you know. And you get in a flow and you start praying daily. You start praying all the time. So number, number two is pray daily. Number three is read the Bible daily. Over and over, the scripture says, faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. Revelation says, happy is the one who reads this book and obeys what's written in it. The scripture over and over encourages us. Uh, in Acts, it says they accepted the message eagerly and they studied the scriptures daily. 
In Proverbs, it says, Guide my, guard my words as your most precious possession. Write them down. Keep them deep within your heart. So read the scripture. Read the scripture. Um, and then another big one is to let the Holy Spirit help transform your conduct to reflect Christ's commands. This is not a matter of will. Okay, this is not a matter of like, I'm going to muscle through this and I'm going to just change. And I, I, that would be my predisposition. I like to just try to change things, right? But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here to help us transform our conduct. Not because, not arbitrarily, not for no reason, but because it brings us joy. It brings greater joy to us when our lives are in conformity with the Scripture. I promise you that. I will guarantee you that every time. When we start to follow Christ and start to follow his commands and start to conduct ourselves in ways that he's called us to, our lives will be more peaceful. There'll be more comfort. There'll be more strength. We'll be better off. We'll be healthier. We'll be happier. Okay? It just happens that way. It just happens that way. Um, uh, Howard G. Hendricks, there's a great quote where he says, Perhaps the Spirit of God is saying to many of us today, I want to minister through you, but before I can minister through you, I must minister to you. Don't despise the educational experience of your drying brook. Don't throw in the towel. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be mature and complete. He wants to make you just like his son. We're a long way from being like Christ, but all of us should be on that path, maturing Letting the Spirit transform us. Letting the Spirit change us. And number three, exercise patience with others as they mature in the faith. And this is a big one. Um, because once we've taken a little step forward in our own personal spiritual development, our own spiritual maturity, we look at other people who aren't there and we go, Psh, what's the problem? Come on. What's your deal? You know what I mean? And um, we have to remember that we're not all on the same, we didn't all start at the same spot. We didn't all have the same kind of benefits. We didn't all, some people had Christian homes. Some people didn't have Christian homes. Some people are predisposed to be nice, right? That's their personality. So they don't have to work on being nice. Some people are predisposed to being ornery and mean. Amen. No. Um, and, and, you know, and so you got to work on it. So not everybody is at the same spot, right? So have patience with other people. You know, when, when, I, when I raised, so we have Jameson and we have Lincoln. And I'm 10 times more patient with Lincoln than I was with Jameson. Because now I understand that that's just what kids do. Why did he, why did he knock that lamp down? Well, that's just what they do. They knock lamps down. You got to bolt your lamps to the wall so they, don't, so they don't knock them down. And now, you know, like if Lincoln throws a fit, it's like, you know, I'll just sort of step over him on my way to the kitchen. It's like, no big deal. He's just on the floor, you know, squealing. But that's, that's what they do. Um, whereas James and I was like, what's the matter with you, son? What's the problem? Um, let's be patient with one another, right? Let's individually move forward in our own personal maturity and let's be patient with those who are coming along with us. You know what I mean? Uh, Galatians 6, I'm going to read you this. I love this little passage. It says, brothers and sisters, Christians, those of you who are following Christ, Paul says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, those of you who are living by the Spirit, who are following Christ, should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. He says, take care of each other. 
somebody gets off the path, gently bring them back. You know, Christians are, are sometimes, you know, we've historically been one of the only groups that, 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 that eat their weak or that kill their weak, whatever, however you want to call it. Somebody messes up, man, they get alienated, they get isolated. We shove them out. We say, ah, psh, you're out, right? Paul's saying, no, when somebody messes up, gently bring them back. Now, if they don't want to come back, you can't pull them back. But if they will be, you know, repentant, gently bring them back. Just as Christ has loved you, you love other people. Amen? Let's do that as a body, right? Let's build each other up. Let's find unity in the faith, right? And let's just, let's reach out and, and build each other up and, and exercise our own strength, mature into who we are as Christians. Can we do that today? I love Ephesians because, you know, and, and we've got a couple more weeks of this, and I'll just give you a, a precursor because Paul is, is now getting more into the instruction side of the letter, right? He's starting to say, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. Here's what I want you to do. All of you Christians, I mean, these guys, remember, they didn't have the Bible in the first century. They didn't have the New Testament. This was it. When that, when that, you know, that scroll came to them, that's the first time they ever saw that. So they unscrolled that and they said, okay, Paul says to be, to gently bring one another back to the faith, right? And so that's what we're doing today. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. God is calling you today to do some bodybuilding. So let's do some bodybuilding this week. Can we do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you, God, that you've called us, that you've chosen us, that you love us that you've forgiven us, that you've redeemed us. God, and now you're calling us to step up and to, to go a little further. You're calling us as a body to build one another up, God. You're asking us to individually mature. You're calling us to a higher calling, a higher standard. And God, we want to follow you with that. We want to we we follow where you're leading us, God. So lead us, God, in our lives. Help us to find maturity in the faith and in our own lives, God. Help us to love one another. Help us to forgive one another. Help us to gently build each other up to good works, God, so that basically your will can be done on the earth through us. We're your body, and if we're not doing it, it doesn't get done. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.